Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, October 1st. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are at actually page 89, starting chapter 7, Working with Others. Today's readers are Amy W., 12 Steps, and S., 12 Traditions, Do, Robin B., Deborah, and Paula. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, September 30th, is 5231. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Ann W. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Amy W., compulsive overeater from California. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and uh, and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. I pass. Thank you. I will now ask Anne S. to please read the 12 Traditions. Uh, Hi, good morning. This is Anne from Pennsylvania, uh, compulsive overeater. The 12 Traditions. 
One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside uh, contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 89, paragraph 1. And I will ask Du to begin reading. Good morning. This is Du, a compulsive overeater from New York. Um, it says, practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. It works when other activities fail. This is our 12th, 12th suggestion. Carry this message to other alcoholics. You can help when no one else can. You can secure the confidence when others fail. Remember, they are very ill. Wow. So here it's um, talking about working with others. And um, the first sentence reads, practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. So it's reminding me here that practical experience was penned by those who were recovered 
and they blazed the trail so that we can have this today. They're teaching me um, how to how to go through the ropes, and you know, um, it it shows that nothing, absolutely nothing, can ensure immunity. Um, and immunity is a defense or a protection um, against drinking. It's an intensive. Uh, meaning exhaustive or very concentrated work with other alcoholics. And, you know, where do I learn this from? Well, I learned this from Bill. You know, he spent he spent <laughs> most of his life, if not all of his life, trying to help other alcoholics and trying to build up the fellowship of AA so that we can have this today. And during that period of time, um, Bill managed only to stay sober with himself. You know, it's like... Uh, uh, when he was carrying this message, he tried to carry this message uh, for six months, and no one got sober. Um, you know, no one stays sober, as a matter of fact. Um, but he he went through that period of time where where he stayed sober, and he eventually um, he eventually passed the message on to Dr. Bob, and um, it was in like. He intended it to. It just happened because he had the experience. Bill W. had the experience of, you know, having that spiritual awakening, having that uh, personality change sufficient enough to bring about recovery. Uh, he he saw that, you know, the immunity that he got from that was, you know, to work intensively with other other alcoholics. And so that, that became his goal. Um, to carry the message. And what is the message? It's that spiritual awakening, you know, that uh, personality change to bring about recovery. Um, You know, and it says here that, an exclamation point, carry this message to other alcoholics. And he emphasizes it with an exclamation point because that was it. You know, it wasn't carrying the alcoholic. He tried that for six months. He was trying to uh, bring people into his home. He was trying to feed them. He was trying to, um, you know, take care of them, trying to keep them away from the drink. Um, He even brought the solution, the spiritual solution to them, and that did not work initially. You know, the only one that stayed sober was Bill. Um, The only thing that really worked, you know, that he saw was, was, you know, that he was staying sober. And then... um, then after that, he realized that more was needed. You know, he had to bring the problem. He was putting the cart before the horse. And so he had to help them to identify within um, of the problem and the hopelessness so that they would be attracted to the solution. Um, and so he went on and, and he, uh, with the other people that had recovered, he penned out this book. Uh, to show us exactly, precisely how this works, um, you know, where where he developed 12 steps. And that's the message. That's the message. It's the 12 steps of recovery. You know, we go through a process of getting that spiritual experience, which for some it could be sudden, um, or that spiritual awakening for others it could be gradual. Um, but they all produce one thing. And that's a personality change um, sufficient to bring about recovery from, in our case, compulsive overeating. And it says, 
you can help when no one else can. And why, why is that? Why can we help when no one else can? Well, because we're armed with facts about ourselves and we have practical experience that no one else has about compulsive overeating like we do. And so we can secure the confidence when no one else can. <laughs> a a non-compulsive overeater cannot con- uh, um, secure the confidence of another like a compulsive overeater could. And, you know, and that's why it says, um, you know, that you can secure the confidence when others fail and remember they are very ill. You know, these people have an illness that no one else can understand like we do. And so we can help. We can help. Um, And we have a responsibility. It says you can help. So that, that means that I have a responsibility today to be recovered to come to that spiritual awakening and to carry this message. Um, you know, carrying the message doesn't mean carrying the compulsive greeter. It means that, you know, I, whether they take it or leave it, I just, I just do what I need to do. And that's what gives me this immunity of, of um, not compulsively overeating. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Do. Who would like to share on this paragraph that we just read? Page 89, paragraph 1. Penny C. Hi, good morning, Penny. You're up. Morning. Good morning, everybody. My name is Penny, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. This paragraph reminds me, especially the last few sentences here, reminds me of the ninth step promises. No matter how far down the scale I have gone, I can see how my experience can benefit others. The more I go on working the steps and the more I work with others, I am so grateful. I used to hear people say, oh, I'm a grateful um, compulsive overeater. And like a lot of uh, the rest of us when we first came, we thought, what is wrong with this the, this lady or man that they can be say they're grateful to have this condition, which I didn't know was a disease at the time. But as I go on, I, I see that my experience, every, every experience I had in my, my entire life, even every bite I took was necessary to get me where I am today, where I have this privilege and the distinct uh, ability to help somebody else who has my disease. When, when you know, doctors, people with, with great um, lengthy education and experience, but not personal experience with this disease, are unable to help others. It's, it's, such, it's such a gift to have the, this experience because I'm credible. I'm, you know, I'm credible when I tell other people what my life was like. I had gone far down the scale, and it's, you know, it's important to remember it doesn't mean weight. It means uh, how, how far down I had gone as far as my ability to, to live a functioning, healthy life. Because I can tell people that when I when I came, um, I I was not sound of mind and body, 
and and working these 12 steps has gotten me to the point where I can actually help other people. So it you know I'm I'm more I work with other people I realize too that what Dr. Bob said is so true that nothing nothing and as it says here nothing can so much assure a possible slip as working with other people and um God and I together can can cause cause miracles to happen in other people and you know that means that you know I share in what God can do what a privilege thanks and I'll pass thank you Penny would anyone else like to share on this paragraph this morning hi this is yes, Lauren oh I hear Leanne and then Lauren in that order thank you hi yeah this is Leanne I'm recovering from compulsive overeating anorexia and um you know the the message i think the thing that struck me the most about this program is that you know doing service like this and carrying the message is absolutely required to keep it and what a godsend because you know i was i was through the ramifications of all kinds of attempted help psychiatrists and uh, numerous numerous counselors and it was only having another person who had been through such terrific experiences with food on the other line of the phone that wasn't killing herself anymore that that sparked some kind of hope in my heart it it was like almost just like penny was saying like we have we're the experts i hear i hear leia say a lot we're the experts we have the um ability almost like a cancer surgeon you know you know people can come here to this fellowship and find real, real help. And um, there's just no words to say um, to express my gratitude to the people that were there to save my life, you know, going going as far down as I did trying to control my compulsive overeating with anorexia. I was going down the, the tubes. I was heading to 60 pounds and a life of that, a whole life of living so so below where I was supposed to be, and um, then having somebody willing to take the time to hear me every day, and it was such a privilege, and in the beginning, the privilege was, um, the, just the privilege of having the person was, was was helping me stay in line with my food, and you know, whatever it took to get me um, to, have, to be more God-directed is, is what I grabbed onto, and this chapter just gives me so many um, ideas and the right way to do it. And there's so much in here that I can benefit from now that I'm able to help other people. And um, what comes out of my mouth a lot of times is what I need to hear. And it keeps me doing what I'm supposed to do. And, um, wow, it's just such a miracle, this this whole cycle of um, of healing here. Who, who would think? And um, I'm grateful God led me back here through a real um, amazing spiritual experience. He just led me back um, into the program. I I gave up on it because I wasn't hearing what I hear here. I wasn't hearing this message. It was just a bunch of, you know, social club kind of people getting together to talk about problems. But here we have the real solution and the real service happening, and it's so great. 
So I'm going to pass with that. Thank you. Thank you, Leanne. Lauren, you're next. Press star one. Hi, I'm Lauren, a um, compulsive overeater from Pittsburgh, and uh, this this um, paragraph is really pertinent to me in this particular moment of my life. I ha- I in my original amends list, I had um, about one major. I have just like two or three major ones left, and one of them was my roommate, and I was really putting it off. I I was just so full of fear about it, um, of how she would react. It was it was eating me alive. And last week, I, I felt so almost like I was regressing back into my disease. With the thoughts that were coming, I couldn't sleep. I felt physically sick. And God was like, Lauren, you got to do this. Like, I keep telling you, you know, you got to make this amends to her. And um, I knew I had to make this amends to her. But what was really pulling me into recovery and, and just pouring into recovery is because I remembered what Bill had thought at the Mayflower Hotel. And if 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 I binged, and I, I don't think I would have binged, but I was definitely on that cycle. You know, I was at step maybe three of of what step thirty might have been binging, but I was there. It was really bad, and I thought, Lauren, if I do this, think of all those men and women who I wouldn't be able to help. Who I, I don't want to sound dramatic and say they would die, but but think of all those people that I would be letting go if I just selfishly binged. And, and I thought of, you know, my parents and all these people in my life who I'm growing this relationship who would just who would just be let go if I binged. And I wasn't even thinking about the other things that would happen if I binged that I used to obsess about, like weight gain. I was thinking about all these people I wouldn't be able to help. And that's what kept me going is um, – is working with others in the program, and people really helped me get out of my funk. And I actually made my great amends yesterday, and I can't tell you how how freeing it is. And uh, hopefully now, because I'm finishing up with these major amends, um, I won't be retreating back into that cycle like I was last week. But um, uh, thanks for letting me share, and uh, I'll pass. Thank you, Lauren. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Good morning. This is Bella. Can I share? Good morning, Bella. This is Katie. Oh, hi, Katie. Then you're after Bella, after Bella, and then Leah. So we got Bella, Katie F, and Leah. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I am so happy and so grateful to be here in the meeting. So thank you very much for letting for leading this meeting, and thank you very much everybody that is on the meeting. Wow, it's such a a wonderful, wonderful paragraph. It gives so much hope, and it's wonderful. And it brings me that in any relationship, we need two people. We cannot build a relationship, and only one side is working on that relationship. And this is the same thing here also. Uh, first of all, by by working with others and by passing over this wonderful miracle new life. So first of all, it's building me, 
and it helps me to work on my character defects. It means to work on my selfishness. It means that I have to work on not being self-centered. It means that I have to to open my eyes and to open my ears to others. I am not the only one person in this world. And by working with others, by listening to others, by sharing my experience, strength, and hope, so first of all, I am building myself, and I am not anymore in that uh, level that, you know, I am so a victim, and I am miserable and pity me. No, now I am the strong person that I can give and support others and to share with others my experience, my challenges in life. And from the other side, when I, you know, we all in the same boat, we all at the same disease, we all seek people that we have to work on our disease. We have the tools to deal with our disease. And it's such a wonderful thing that I can share my experience, strength, and hope. And when I listen to somebody else, I always can learn and always can listen and to hear new ideas, a new way of behavior. And it's not that I am more than you. No, we are all the same. We all struggle 24-7. And it's a wonderful, it's a miracle that I can give over from my experience to other people to help them to go out from their disease to make it easier. And, you know, and when I am sharing with others and when I talk about my experience, it doesn't take for me nothing. It doesn't mean that, oh, now I am losing something. No, God has so much for everybody. And it's a wonderful feeling that I can help somebody else and to to share with somebody else how my life changed. And it's not only the way. The way is, by the way, my life is a present now. My life is a miracle. And it's such a wonderful feeling that I can help somebody else to have the same miracle. And we are all together. We cannot have a miracle working by ourselves. We are a whole group. We are a we and not me. And thank you very much for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Katie F., you're next. This is Katie, Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Can you hear me? Good morning. Okay, okay. Um, So uh, this paragraph is talking about keeping me abstinent. It's saying uh, nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. So it's not just about, um, you know, I'm not just this saint that is going around helping people uh, to make myself feel better. I'm going around helping people because I don't want to go back to where I was. And, you know, I can, um, it says when, it works when other activities fail. 
you know, um, if I'm having a bad day and I have talked to all my people and I've prayed and I've done all those things, you know, I talked about yesterday that um, <clears throat> I do to work my program and I'm still restless, irritable, and discontent, then, you know, just pick up the phone and call a newcomer. Talk to someone or, or answer the phone when someone calls or return a call. You know, because nothing works like sharing my experience, strength, and hope and remembering what I was like. You know, yesterday I was talking to someone and as they were telling me their story, I was immediately remembering what it was like for me uh, in my disease. And if I forget that, then I'm going to go back there and I'm going to try to prove that I'm not a compulsive overeater. So... As much as, you know, I'd love to say I just, you know, have all this free time now because I'm absent and my life is perfect, so that's why I'm working with others. That's not why I'm working with others. I'm working with others because I want, I do want to share my experience, strength, and hope, and I do want to see other people recover, but it's also because if I don't, I will go back to where I was because this disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful. And it's going to tell me I don't have it anymore. And it's going to tell me it wasn't that bad. And it's going to tell me um, you made too big a deal out of this. You were in your 20s. Now you've grown up. Now you're in your 50s. You're smart enough. You're not going to do that again. And it's like, no, (laughs) I will. And I have to work with others so that I won't forget what uh, it was like and what this compulsive overeater did. And if I did that then, you could believe it would be ten times worse now. Um, So they're saying that we do this because we've cleaned up our past and we are ready to embark on a new life, but we uh, we can't forget who and what we were. And, um, this works to get me out of myself and to, you know, forget about what problem I think I have. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Leah, your turn. Thank you so much, Melanie. Thanks for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I wanted to concentrate just on a couple statements here. Practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity, that's defense or protection, from drinking as intensive which means exhaustive, work with other alcoholics. And this comes from experience. And, of course, uh, you know, we're all thinking about, you know, Bill, um, Bill's initial uh, conversation with Dr. Bob. You know, Bill didn't really go over to Dr. Bob to sober up Dr. Bob, although obviously that happened in the process. But, you know, Bill Wilson went over there to keep Bill Wilson from getting drunk. You know, he remembered that back in New York City, every time he had tried to help another alcoholic get sober, even though he really, in the end, after six months of work, pulling guys off bar stools from their, you know, with their shirt collars uh, and dragging alcoholics out of the gutter, um, no one got sober in that process. But it helped keep Bill Wilson sober. You know, so he realized that for six months he had kept him someone sober, and that was himself. That was Bill Wilson. 
um, talking to another alcoholic. So that's the experience that I I learn. You know, I don't know about you, uh, but I never wanted to be a compulsive overeater. And this may surprise some of you, but my life goal was not to be here every morning, uh, you know, on this phone line. I had other thoughts and dreams for myself. But the reality is that, um, you know, I need to do this out of self-preservation. There is unremitting danger, the literature teaches me, to my own life and my sanity if I don't carry this message. It also tells me uh, in this paragraph you can help when no one when no one else can. You can secure their confidence when others fail. You know, uh, God has removed my obsession to compulsively overeat. Uh, now the question is, you know, what am I going to do with that? <laughs> what am I going to do with that? Uh, the big book tells me in numerous places that God has a job for me to do, for those of us that are recovered, for those of us that have had a personal personality change, a spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. Now what do we do with that? We know more about recovery from compulsive overeating than anybody alive because we are the only people that have done it. God has equipped us with very, very unique knowledge to help a very, very unique group of human beings. And the book teaches us that God gives us this opportunity to literally uh, avert death in other people. That is quite a responsibility and an obligation and a duty. You know, the big book teaches me that we have recovered and have been given the power to help other people. And so when we come together in a meeting, those of us that are recovered, we have something very specific to offer. When we talk to to the still-suffering compulsive overeater, we who are recovered, um, and this is not through any personal success, (laughs) this is the story of God's grace. This is about uh, what can happen to human failure when the grace of God comes in and makes something of that failure. So when those of us that are recovered come together and we speak on this phone line or in face-to-face meetings, we are living proof that some power greater than human power is working in our life. And what we say is we're like a big show-and-tell operation. If you are a still-suffering compulsive overeater looking for a way out, we know exactly where you're coming from because that's where we came from too. And someone or some group cracked open this big book called Alcoholics Anonymous, and we practiced with the help of someone who had gone before us to the best of our ability, implementing these very same steps in our lives. And you know what? We're not eating ourselves to death any longer. We don't live that way anymore. And if you don't want to be that way anymore, and if you don't want to eat like that anymore, then you can do what we did, and we can take you by the hand, and we can walk with you and let you experience the same, uh, the same transformation of your own personal spiritual experience, and you can have a spiritual awakening, and then you too can carry this very same message. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to share a moment with her before we move on? This is Sally. Hi. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, and vision for you. Sally, recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. Yes, I would just like to uh, add one one last thought. 
this paragraph um, brings to mind uh, page 124, which I think is uh, really elaborates what's being said here. Um, I'm looking at the second paragraph in the last two lines where it says, cling to the thought that in God's hands, the dark past is the greatest possession you have. The key, and what does a key do but unlock? So it is the key. Our dark past is what unlocks life and happiness for others. With it, you can avert death and misery for them. And that is a very powerful suggestion that we have such an important role to play in other people's lives that we can actually help to unlock life and happiness for others because of our dark past. And so what I'm reading here in this practical experience, I'm back on page uh, 89, practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. And so to save myself, it's telling me here two times in a row, it says, you can help, you can secure, right in a row, you can help when no one else can. You can secure their confidence when others fail. That is a really an amazing thing that can I be that important in this grand scheme of helping another? Yes, apparently we can. We have an important role to play, and it is, it is a privilege to be part of someone else's life in such an incredible capacity. With that, I share. Thank you. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sally. Anyone else? This is Joan. Hi. Hi, Joan. And then I heard somebody else. Alita. Hi, Alita. Joan and then Alita. Hi, this is Joan S. in South Jersey, uh, recovering gratefully. Um, I am just uh, once again thankful for what I hear on the line. And it seems to me that, you know, clearly this this book and this idea, as we go through this transformation, we then bring back uh, to others. And it seems like it's really based on a the spiritual law of all is one. You know, so it does really seem like divine hand wrote this because my recovery is, and your recovery is my strength, and my recovery is your strength. So that, with that, with that, I pass. It's, I just really was moved to say that. Thank you. Thank you, Joan. Alita, you're next. Hi, good morning. Thank you. This is Alita, Compulsive Reader in Minnesota. And um, this paragraph reminds me of uh, what my sponsor recently told me, is that we go through the steps not so that we can feel better ourselves, but so that we can um, take others through the steps. And I would just like to read... Um, um, if I could, a uh, short little paragraph in The Keys to the Kingdom. It's just um, such a beautiful story. And um, she talks about when she went to Akron and Cleveland and how she met these um, recovered alcoholics and saw such beautiful qualities of peace and serenity in these people. And then she goes on to say, nothing in their lives took precedence over their response to a call for help from some alcoholic in need. They would travel miles and stay up all night with someone they had never laid eyes on before and think nothing of it. Far from expecting praise for their deeds, 
they claimed the performance a privilege and insisted that they invariably received more than they gave. And then she says, extraordinary people. And uh, I just, I've, I've learned so much from that. And it, it, it really does work um, when I apply it. And I thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Alita. My name is Melanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I wanted to talk about um, what activities have failed for me. And that would be what failed for me is um, walking out of the kitchen, um, not bringing my bin foods into the house, locking my foods up that I would binge on so that I can't get to them but the family members could get to them, um, putting a little magnet on my refrigerator so that every time I opened up the refrigerator door, it would say, oink, 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 you piggy. Um, what else didn't work? Oh, being able to win that keychain at the end of the week at my way and pay or a lifetime membership at my way and pay. Didn't work, didn't work, didn't work. Getting together with a bunch of my friends to say, today we're not going to eat and then find myself at the, the uh, buffet with that same group of people at the end of the week. Things that did not work. Things that did not work. What I like to read in here, first and foremost, um, is intensive work with other alcoholics. Intensive work is a big word. That's the things that we read all the time in this big book. I want to um, read from page 97 because I just wanted to give you a picture of what the big book talks about in terms of intensive work. It says, uh, first paragraph, second line down, helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. You have to act the good Samaritan every day if need be. It may mean the loss of many nights' sleep, great interference with your pleasures, interruptions to your business. It may mean sharing your money, your home, counseling frantic wives and relatives, innumerable trips to police courts, sanitariums, hospitals, jails, and asylums. Your telephone may jangle at any time of the day or night. A drunk may smash the furniture in your home or burn a mattress. You may have to fight with him if he is violent. Sometimes you'll have to call a doctor and administer sedatives under his direction. Another time you have to send for the police or an ambulance. Occasionally you'll have to meet these and such other conditions. That's not a small order. And so when I'm saying to my sponsor, you know, I don't know if I'm going to sponsor. You know, I don't know if I'm really up to it. I don't know if it's my job description. You know, I really am better at putting away chairs after the meeting. This tells me in order to save my behind and save my back, I may be doing those things on page 97. And it's, we just come out with this chapter like a bang. Intensive work with other alcoholics. And so if I keep the same sponsee, you know, for 10, 12, 30, 40, 50 years, and I'm not bringing in new people, I'm not, they come in by the 100s and they leave by the 99s here. I have this huge responsibility to keep myself sober by pay, talking with that newcomer that's still suffering compulsive overeater and giving them the experience, strength, and hope that was given to me on that day when I was done with life. And somebody said to me, I know what you're feeling. I know what you're going through. I know what's going on for you. And I know you can't put this food down. But let me teach you what was given to me, the same hope and the promise that you can get through this. That's my responsibility. Can take one more share before we move on. Anybody else want to take that spot? 
Monica. Hey, good morning, Monica. You got the spot. <laughs> good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. So here we are in Chapter 7, Working with Others. And the very first sentence here, practical experience shows that nothing, nothing will so much as ensure immunity, immunity, a defense, a protection from drinking as the intensive work with other alcoholics. So there they're telling us, point blank, black and white, if you want to keep what you've been given, your spiritual awakening what, uh, that you've been given as a, as a result of working through these steps, you're going to have to carry this message. You, ha- you have to work with others. It works when other activities fail. And then I like this sentence right here. This is our 12th suggestion. Suggestion. Colon. And listen to this. Look at these next few words. C with a capital. Carry this message to other alcoholics! Exclamation point. This is our 12th suggestion. Sounds like a mighty powerful suggestion. Sounds like more like an action here. Carry this message to other alcoholics! Exclamation point. At this point, if I want to keep what I've been given, and oh, what a gift! I must. I must carry this message to another suffering, compulsive overeater. It's the only way that I will have reprieve on a daily basis from this powerful disease. I must. And like I said here, I have been given, I have, I have the experience. Those of us who have gone through, we have the experience. We've gone from the beginning to the end. We know what's on the other side of that door. And we are truly remiss if we do not guide someone else through that door. And it's the most blessed, sacred thing to be able to bring, guide somebody through the steps and watch them have a spiritual awakening. You don't want to miss it. And with that, I pass. Melanie, start one to unmute. Thank you so much. And Robin B., would you lead us into the second paragraph, please? Sure, this is Robin. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Life will take on new meaning. To watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up around you, to have a host of friends, this is an experience you must not miss. We know you will not want to miss it. Frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. Well, there's something really amazing that happens when I can look in on your life. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I, when I came in, I was before I came into Overeaters Anonymous, I was living a life. I was living in a cave, pretty much, just terrifically isolated and lonely. And um, I came in and learned what it means to be connected to other people. And realizing that that's what I've been missing, you know, connection to my higher power, connection to the human race. And when I watch what happens as God moves in your life, um, 
it, it being able to do that objectively, you know, my life, I'm too close to it. I I see, you know, very little about my own life because I'm right in the heart of it and I'm living it. But when I watch God moving in your life, it makes me aware of the miracle of this program. Um, when I, you know, to be able to watch somebody come in to a meeting, um, you know, as shut down, as isolated, as selfish and self-centered as I was, and to watch them over a period of time um, blossom into what God intended them to be, it um, it makes me aware of the fact that that's happened to me too. It helps me to hang in there when times are rough. When I can see that kind of progression happen in somebody else's life, then I can see a correlation between what's happened in mine too. Um, frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. Well, <clears throat> you know, it's the same thing. It um, it, it makes me so aware of where I've come from, um, you know, as as people come in and talk about living in the dregs of the disease and, um, you know, what their life has, has been like, what they're still living, it reminds me of where I don't ever want to go back. It reminds me of the fact that I have a daily reprieve from that today um, and, it, it just shines a light on the fact that my life is a miracle. My life is a miracle because of what's happened in this program. So I'm looking at it from that point of view that um, uh, there's so much that I can, that I personally get out of rejoining the human race, being connected again, um, watching other people as they come back to life or find a new life. It's, uh, it just fills me with the power of this program and the power of, of God's love in my life. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. Who would like to share on paragraph two today? Margaret. Paula. Hi, good morning, Margaret. And Paula. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Vision, for you. Um, Life will take on new meaning to watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up about you, and to have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not miss. We know you will not want to miss it. This was such a baffling paragraph to me in my 30-some years of the program. And when we would read it, I'd always say to God, God, I'm telling you, I want to miss this experience. I don't want to be here. I want to miss this experience. I used to want to think, I want to raise my hand and say, no, no, listen to me. I don't want to be here. And I never dreamt that I would ever get on the other side of that. But you know what? I didn't know how to to work the steps. And I certainly didn't know how to take another person through the steps. That was really extremely important because I couldn't, take a person through the steps because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I love it says, uh, just uh, where it says in the paragraph before, you know, carry this message. And until I understood this message, I couldn't carry it. So that was, you know, of course, you know, real falling down part on my, on my own. But I also love where it says that um, a fellowship grows up about you to have a host of friends. Excuse me. And one time I did a long time ago, I did a little, uh, you know, checked out this book and how many times Bill used the word friend and friendly. You know, even when on page, um, it's in this chapter, but when it says, 
it, we can be friendly and leave it go at that. Even when it doesn't work, you know, even when a person's not ready, we can know that. You know, we can just know that they're not ready at this moment. I don't have to close the door on them or anything like that, but they're just not ready to really move forward. And I can remain friendly so that when they are ready or if they are ready, you know, they're, they, they'll call me back, you know. And that, that I've learned a long time ago. And that has served me very, very well in this program because I have had people that have called me back when they're ready. And we can move forward. So that, you know, that is a gift too. But I, I love it when it says carry this message. I had to learn what this message was and stop carrying, you know, my own message. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret. Paula? This is Sharon. Thank you. Oh, hello. Sharon, Paula will go now, and then Sharon, you can go next. Thank you. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. And this would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. You know, life will take on a new meaning, not known before. I never knew what it really meant to give and to receive so mightily and to want to give it away. It was like you won the lottery. Well, I don't know. When you listen to people win the lottery, the first thing they do is, hey, they get out of Dodge. They sell their old house and buy a new one. They take a trip. But here, no. Here, no, you won the lottery and you give it away. That's a new meaning to life. That's when I read this and it says, working with others, they're my primary purpose. And it says very subtly, we all of a sudden see the change from we, and now we see you. What does that mean? You take on the responsibility. You are responsible. You know, it said here so beautifully, watch. Watch people recover. You see, it's called the awakening on page 567, the spiritual experience or awakening. I was asleep. What can you see when you're asleep? Well, with the awakening, you watch and you see people recover. To see them help others? It says this is an experience you must not miss. You cannot miss it. You cannot miss it because you won't keep it, darling. Be very clear on that. Unless you give it away, you can't keep it. And then it says frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. There is no assurance, darling. There's none at all that your life is going to be clear sailing from now on. No storms in your life. You're going to have dark, dark places. That's life. But look at what brings here the bright spot of our lives. The bright spot. It brings a brightness in that you can only receive in this way from God to you to others. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Sharon, it will be your turn, but I hate to squeeze you a little bit. We have about two minutes before we need to close. And it is your turn. Thank you, Melanie. I will make this uh, short. I just wanted to say thank you to everyone on the line and everything that's been shared. I'm in the process of doing my amend step now, so uh, I am coming to see um, things just so differently, and I am so grateful for that. And what I what I do see in these. Uh, 
this paragraph based on what everyone has shared is there's all these promises that come in this step too. It's uh, life will take on new meaning. That's a promise to watch people recover. That's a promise to see them help others. That's a promise to watch loneliness vanish. That's a promise to see a fellowship grow up about you. Uh, a promise and to have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not miss. Uh, so I just thank you so much for everything I heard on the line. I thank you that by God's grace I've um, working through these steps and I do see such a difference in my life from what it was like when I first listened to this meeting um, a year ago last July. And with that I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon, and, and thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Devorah please read a vision from, for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, good morning. This is Devorah in New Jersey, recovered. Thank you, God. Our book is meant to be suggested only. We, really, we realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you.